This is the Tribe of Millionaires podcast from GoBundance. The tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous people who choose to live epic lives. Listen Tuesdays for featured guests and Fridays for GoBundance member spotlights. But listen always to hear how our guests have grabbed life big. Now, here's your host, Jamie Gruber. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. This week, we've got a member, Harvey Jurgen, who is a father, husband, investor, and a franchise owner of Homebesters. He buys ugly houses. That's what the guy does. But thankfully, he's not ugly. He's a beautiful <laughs> man. Known him for a little bit now. Came up through our Emerge and Ascend program. And now is a GoBundance member. Harvey, brother, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Jamie. Yeah, it's great to have you. We're like only a few hours away physically as well. So it's like, you know, we're in the same time zone. There's no sun where we are right now. It's all yeah, good. It's all that's good. True. Yeah. <laughs> I love your story. I know your story, but I want you to tell everybody else your story. Just kind of take us from the beginning. Where are you from? What do you do? How'd you kind of get between, you know, there and here at this point in your life? <sighs> yeah. Wow. Um, this is always a a very useful exercise for me to think back on on my journey. But I am from Akron, Ohio. And um so my my parents, you know, pretty pretty much middle class, normal, normal childhood. My mom, uh, more or less a stay at home stay at home mom. She had a a babysitting business that she ran out of the house. Um, and then my dad, I mean, just your typical midwestern blue collar careerist, um, worked his tail off. Show somehow wound up in the bleachers at all my baseball games or in the street playing catch with me uh, or one of my three younger brothers uh, having meetings with teachers uh, sitting at the dining room table with us at night, uh, pouring over math homework and, and, and never a complaint, just, just worked and worked and uh, just an awesome, an awesome dad, an awesome guy and gave me and my three brothers, um, you know, a, a start to our journey that, I realize not everybody gets, so I'm very, very thankful for that. What did he do? Uh, what was his business? What, what, what was his day job? Yeah, he he started as a meter reader for a local utility company. He still works for that company today. I don't know how many decades deep he is, but he's he's an executive now. So, a classic case of of rising the ranks. Um, but yeah, so he's he's had that job and worked for that company for as long as I've been alive and I'm 37. So, um, but I mean, again, just ne ne never a complaint, at least not within earshot of us just got it done, uh, as a dad, as a husband, as a, um, as an employee of this company. So, but, um, you know, thankful, thankfully he spent a lot of time with me athletically. I blossomed as a baseball player, had some success in high school that afforded me the opportunity to go play in college. I went to Valpo, uh, Valparaiso University, which is in Northwest Indiana, just outside of Chicago. It, the worst place quite possibly in the world to go and play baseball. That place is cold and windy and uh, snow and rain into, into May. But we did it. And I was able to play four years there. Um, and then which that that experience alone really shaped who I am today. I mean, I got to play all over the country, got to see probably 45 states just playing baseball, including a, 
a summer in Alaska playing baseball in the Alaska baseball um, collegiate league up there. That's division one, right? Valparaiso is division one, isn't it? Yeah. Division one baseball. Yeah. Look at you. Look at you. Wow. Big yeah. ball. Go ahead. Continue. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And I, and I learned a lot and I met a lot of really great people, including my wife when we were there at Valpo. I asked her to, I met, met her on her first day of school. She was one year behind me and I asked her to marry me when we were still in school. So I pretty much locked up her entire collegiate career. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I would, I would, uh, she's thankful for that. I know she is. Um, So anyway, we bounced, um, we bounced out of Valpo. I actually wrapped up my, my athletic career. I went and got a, an internship with the department of defense as a logistician so somebody who does uh, logistics and um and it was actually a pretty cool gig i got to go do some tactical uh, some light combat training with with um some army units out in hampton roads virginia um, as a civilian spent some time there in, in virginia and then ch- chased government jobs around the country for the better part of a decade from there i went to memphis for a couple years had a kid went to portland for four years had two more kids, uh, moved to Detroit, uh, with, with all the kids. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we lived just outside of Detroit in Bingham farms for sure. about a year. Uh, and in that time is when I quit my job and decided that I was not happy with the amount of time I was getting with my kids. Um, I just had this epiphany that I get this one shot with my kids and I'm not maximizing it. So true to form, this is the way I tend to make decisions. There was no in between. I'm working. I'm not getting enough time with my kids. So I will completely stop working and spend every waking minute with my kids. So I was a stay-at-home dad for about about two years after I quit my job. Um, and after a year in Detroit, we moved to Ohio. I was still a stay-at-home dad. I call that period of my life my crucible. I learned a lot about myself. Uh, there were some dark times. There was some identity crisis, um, but I came out of it, found real estate, went to Bigger Pockets University, like like a lot of guys, and started investing in 2018, doing some flips, picking up some rentals. And in 2019, bought a Homevestors We Buy Ugly Houses franchise. And me and my partner, Josh, who is also affiliated with GoBundance, uh, we've been running that for the last couple of years. And yeah, we're trying to pick up as much as much single family rental property as we can. My wife and I are working hard to uh, replace income, get complete, completely passive. She has a full-time job. She's a W-2 employee. The goal is to get her out of her job and for us to... Um, just break out and do do the things that we love to do. Going back to baseball for a minute, Division One baseball, and you were you were I'm, I've met you. I'm, you look like a pitcher. I'm going to guess you were a pitcher. Uh, okay, yes, I am a pitcher. You are a pitcher. Did you have any prospects, pro, minor league, anything like that? Did you go for any tryouts or anything like that, or no? I did. I did. I tried out. I tried out at a high school. Had some had some looks at a high school. Did not get drafted. Had some looks in college. Uh, I wound up not getting drafted, and I had an opportunity. You know, there's another there's another 
league in baseball, professional baseball. It's called independent baseball. And it's their the professional teams that are not affiliated with, with big league teams. And I had a chance to go and um, I'll say get involved. It was, it wasn't like there was a team in Gary, Gary, Indiana called the rail cats at the time. And I had an opportunity to go and, and work out with them. But Jamie, that is a, that's a grind. That's like, here's a, here's a hamburger and a couple bucks. Thanks for your time. You got to work extra jobs you're in buses you're traveling you're grinding and it just wasn't a life that um i mean the writing was on the wall i was my velocity was down my body didn't particularly feel good i was kind of beat up um so i made a decision to just move on and go do something else akron 37 years old there's another guy from akron that's 37 years old any run-ins <laughs> with uh lebron james or no yeah quite a few run-ins we i went to a private school in akron our basketball team played their basketball team quite frequently, entirely different levels. Uh, and that was only in the first couple of years before it was like, this is, this is a bloodbath. We got to stop scheduling these guys. Um, but yeah, I had, I had friends who were on that team and good friends with him. So, you know, I mean, we're, we weren't friends. We didn't know each other or anything. We're, t- we're talking about LeBron James, by the way. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty frequent. Did you play against him? Do you have any one-on-one time with him? Ever defend him or post him up or he post you up or? No, no, I, no, thank God. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, our, our high school team played his, uh, played St. V, but at that time I was not starting on varsity. So I did not have to defend him or any of the guys on that team because they're all studs. So on the same court though, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Good for pretty you. cool. Good for you. All right. Take me now forward to the crucible. Uh, this dark period you learned about yourself. Let's start with the decision. So I'm assuming it was your wife working at the time. Is that was that kind of in the calculus? Like we have her income, so she'll work. Okay. What was the decision? Give me kind of some, let's start with that. What were some of the factors that went, like you said, it was all or none, but like how quickly, like give me, give me sort of a sense of that. Like how quickly was there prep? Did you save some money first? Did you do anything? Or was it just like, I'm out? How did that, how did that go? It was a full-blown team effort and it was, it was very similar to the way that my wife and I often handle big decisions. It was me saying, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm going to quit tomorrow. And her saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. What about this? What about that? And so we, we did, we did quite a bit of planning, at least a couple months worth of planning. And there was a, there was a point in there where we said, one of us is going to quit because we don't like this pattern. Who's it going to be? And we decided that her heart was in it more than mine was. And so that I was going to quit and she was sustained in her career. And yes, we, we, we set aside money. We reduced our expenses. We did as much, as much as we could before I quit to kind of pad that, that financial risk after we went from a two income house to a, to a one income house. Who made more? Who was the bigger earner? Was it her or you? Or were you about the same? At that time, I, I'm almost positive that it was her, but it would it wasn't enough to where it was obvious that okay, we're we're gonna have you stay and got it jump. Yeah, slightly more within a few percentage points, maybe of of, of each other. Um, yeah. Give me an idea if you don't mind. Give me a sense. Like what was the what was the household income at the time, and how much did you take away by quitting? 
Yeah. Uh, household income at that time. And I probably have a spreadsheet somewhere that has the exact number. Um, <laughs> the, I would say it was, it was probably somewhere around a hundred and between 150 and 175. So we, we lost, let's call, let's just say it was two thirds of that. I mean, not, not two thirds of that. Let's call it 50%, maybe slightly under yep. that. Like, you go from 170 much. to like 80 grand uh, yeah, in income a year or 90 grand, grand right? Yeah. 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 Pretty much overnight. I mean, you, with the government, they'll give you a little bit of, you know, whatever, whatever leave you have saved up, they'll pay it out. Um, yeah. And then, and then that's pretty much it. So yeah, it was, it was a huge decision in our, in our life as a family and as a, as a couple from my Any- wife. Any financial heart before we go into the darkness, the crucible, the identity stuff, was there any financial hardship that you experienced in that? Because you moved in that time as well, like while you were not employed, right? You made a move as well, which is an expensive endeavor. But do you recall financial hardship, having your salary, having your household income? Was it ever like, oh my God, I, I, I need to go back to work? Did you ever have that moment? No. And, that, and that's the funniest thing about it is that that's what we worried about the most. And that's what yeah. was, and that's what was um, probably the smallest issue. Which Why? Is, Why do you think that is? What What is it? Is it just you don't have daycare bills? Like what? What? What, what was it? You just adjust? Yeah, I think it's. I think it's adjusting. I think. Uh, I think people underestimate what they can do when they need to do it. <laughs> and this this is this has been a pattern. This has been a pattern in a in a lot of different areas over. Well, let's just say over our marriage is we we just figure it out we make some sort of investment in this and we think okay we need to shuffle this we need to cut here and you it just it you just figure it out if it's important enough to you and it's something that you have to do it just seems to work out so the financial there was no financial hardship that i remember at all that's a tweetable line people underestimate what they can do when they just need to do it that's an awesome line but you're absolutely right i i look i remember my wife when we moved to Michigan, I got a big raise, whatever it was, $30,000, $40,000. But she quit and she made like $80,000. So it was like, oh, okay, I was making more, right? Yeah. But we lost $40,000 in income. And our lifestyle wasn't like all the way up to that. But still, like, it didn't, I don't, I didn't feel a difference, right? And then when I left my job, I mean, I guess I had savings and, you know, I left, thankfully, I had kind of go abundance behind me and all these opportunities that popped up because I was, you know, smart enough unknowingly to join before I like two years before I made the leap and become part of a community. And all of a sudden when I made the leap, it was like, I had the safety net. I didn't realize I had there with this yeah. community, but same thing. Like I, we, we're figuring it out, right? We're, we're going month to month. My, my income is more variable than it ever was before. Actually my income is more variable and it never was before. It was always, you know, very sure every other week I get a paycheck. Yeah. But yeah, you just sort of figure it out. So that's interesting. Yeah. And that, that reminds me of, um, so Aaron Velke with, with Men on Purpose and and um, was front runner and the work that they're doing in the Ascend program. We had a we had a coaching call not too long ago where I was I was having I was having some fear and some stuckness, some blocks around money and the way it was flowing through me. And because my my intention is for all resources, for time for energy, for, for money to, to flow to me endlessly. Everybody wants that. Right. But I also want it to flow out of me. I don't want, I don't want there to be a block in me where I'm hoarding money and I, and I, and I'm 
miserly with it. I want to, I want to give to people. I want to, I want to be generous and I want to do it without any sort of angst or fear. And in order to get from where I was to where I wanted to be, I need, I needed some help there. And so I went to Aaron Belke, who is a, he's a coach, but he's also, as you know, I mean, he does specific coaching on money mindset mm-hmm. and he, and I explained some of this fear to him and he said, just ask yourself if everything was taken away from you, if you lost everything, what would you be left with? Which is a v- extremely powerful exercise. And when you said safety net, I thought the safety, the safety net, I think we often think is how much money we've saved the passive income we have, but the safety net really is once you're completely naked and stripped of everything, who are you and what do you still have? That's your safety net. And for me, it's, I have my tenacity. I know how to set goals. I'm an action taker. I'm a leader. I'm going to get things done. I'm not complacent. I know how to see, see where I want to be and then take steps to get there. So in any decision, but including one that, that would be seemingly financially risky, that that's the safety net. And it's Ian Lobos, another coach that you and I both know, he says all the time, look for the evidence of so the evidence is that once, once, when shit like this happens, we figure it out, we make the adjustments and we, everything's fine. <laughs> and it's because of who we are and what we can do, not necessarily because we have X dollars in the bank account. I love that, man. That evidence versus emotion thing means a lot to me because we get into that space when we're about to do something uncomfortable that's emotional, like whatever it is, say quitting your job because we're on that topic. It's like, oh my God, well, okay, what if I'm broken? I, I can't afford my, my, my food for my family. And you get into this like emotional place. But if you look back five years, whoever you were then wished they, you were, you know, like would look at you today is like, wow, I'm, I'm that guy. I'm that gal. I'm that person five years from now. Right. So, and along the way, there's been adversity. There's been things that have popped up and you figured out a way to adjust. I love what you said. You have your tenacity, you have your drive, you have your ambition, you know how to set goals. All of that stuff exists. And when you look back and say, oh, wow, I apply all of that, no matter what pops up, I apply all of that. So what's to say? I won't still in the next endeavor or whatever I'm going to do moving forward. That's Man, right. I love that. I love That's that. Right. Yeah. Let's, let's go into the darkness. So the crucible, yeah. what was, explain this for me. What does that look like when you say it went, when you said that, I'll be honest, what I thought was, I love my kids. You have how many? Four? I have three kids. Yeah. Three kids. Yeah. I love my two boys. To be a stay at home dad. I mean, I, I love hanging out with them. We do our thing, but all day, every day, we'd kill each other. Me is starting with me. Like I, I would just like, I, I don't have that in me to be home all day with them. Yeah. When I heard darkness, that's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you tell me, what is it? What is the darkness? And what, what did you go through in that time? It was, it was that, I mean, these poor kids, <laughs> they were five, <laughs> three and two or something. I mean, they, they, what they needed was not, what I could give them in in that time. And, and, uh, you know, I could give them a lot of it, but I couldn't give them everything. And it just, it was a, it was a great idea on paper that didn't pan out, um, the way that that I thought that it would, but that, that time besides being at home all day, every day with three kids under the age of six, let's say, you know, Michigan is also dark <laughs> for, for one, we moved from Portland, Oregon, you know, you do get a lot of rain out there, but it's, it, it 
the environment was just different. We had a lot of friends and family we went to Michigan where we were surrounded by nobody that we knew. Yeah. Uh, my wife was working long hours. I was, I went from being a baseball guy to now not a baseball guy to being a guy with um, a, a good job and a, a position in leadership to not having that either. So when you comp- when you compound this new intense responsibility of taking care of three young kids with not really knowing who the hell I was and, and trying to figure that out. It was, it was, it was dark. It was, um, it was trying. There was a lot of, a lot of journaling, a lot of emotion, a lot of uh, really long, deep conversations with, with my wife, Amy. And uh, I mean, it, it definitely shaped who I am today. Your dad was really present, but worked hard. I'm curious when you made this decision, if you talked to him and what his advice was or thoughts, did he warn you off of it? Did he say great ideas? I mean, it sounds like you had an example from him of being present. And so maybe that was subconsciously or consciously part of this. Like my dad was always there. I want to be like my dad. I want to be there for these kids. I don't know. But I'm just curious what his advice was. If you even talked to him about it. Yeah, I did a little bit. Um, I would, I will admit that that was a time in my life where I, where I didn't, um, you know, I was younger. I thought I knew everything I had a plan and my plans were better than everybody else's. So going back to my, to my old man and asking him for advice on, on, on big life decisions, I regrettably, I didn't, I didn't go to him um, and ask the, the questions or look for feedback. Like, like I had the opportunity to, but at the same time, the model that I grew up on was the men go and work. The men work hard. They don't complain and their status and their worth was mostly based on how much money they made, how successful they were, what kind of car they drove, how big their house was, what neighborhood they were in. That was the structure that my, that my self-esteem was built on. And I how old was I when I, when I quit that job, I was, you know, early thirties for 30 years. I, I was on top of that structure. I was successful at baseball. I was successful in a career afterwards. I, everything I put my hands on was successful. And then all of a sudden by my own decision, I just destroyed that entire structure without understanding really what the consequences of it would have been. Um, so did I ask, did I talk to my dad about it? No, I didn't. But that was part of the darkness too, was I, I wasn't having these explicit conversations with the people around me who helped me build that structure. And so in my mind, I just went internal and I, I started overanalyzing the way they're interacting with me, overanalyzing the attention I was getting from my parents versus what I would, what they were giving to my, to my younger siblings who, who had jobs and who were fitting the mold. And I went, resentful. I went anger. I went, um, straight asshole really. I mean, for, for those two years, I, I was anti everything they were in, but not in a healthy way, like in a, in a, in a passive aggressive, mean, mean way. When did you realize that? Was it when you came out of that? I mean, like, like, when did you have the revelation? Like, why did you stop? I guess maybe is the question. Why did you get a job or buy a company or get back into real estate? Like, were you just getting too dark? Did you recognize it? Or I'm just kind of curious what that, 
How did you realize that? Well, I realized that I was being an asshole maybe a month ago. <laughs> and the, and really? we're, we're, we're several years removed from this, but only, <laughs> only, only in doing some internal work, figuring out what I'm scared of, what's holding me back. Um, I'm reading Untethered Soul right now. It talks about your one big trauma, your one big pain, exploring that concept and what it is to me, what all these other surface level fears really tie back to. Mm-hmm. And and realizing that I I like to control the way other people think about me. And when I can't and that and that control is gone and I'm not thought of the way I want to be thought of, which is up on a pedestal, yeah. uh, people being impressed with me, especially my family, who I, who I love um, and who I want to love me. When that's taken away from me, uh, that's when real darkness and real internal shakeup happens. Um, so only only within a, a really recent time did I become aware that that's what was happening during the time. But at at the time, outside of those two years, it was just natural that I would that. I mean, the kids go to school, right? I get more free time. I get involved in real estate. That, that stuff just kind of happened. And then as I grew a company, as I became more successful, as I, I just got back up on top of that, that that position that I was on before in a different capacity, I basically reassembled the structure that, that I had wiped out before it looked about the same. Mm. Um, and so everything was right again, right? I was, I was now at Thanksgiving. I was now the most successful guy in, in at the table. I was the most, most athletic, most fit. I had the career. I so, um, but now I'm at the point where I'm realizing that all that's all bullshit. I, I've got to, I've got to find a way to rid myself of the need of that control and then have actual conversations with people in my family about how, A, I'm sorry for for being an asshole to you during this time, but B, I was pretending that I had it all figured out, but really all I was looking for was true, true, unconditional love and acceptance from you. Um, which probably existed uh, actually. And I was creating a lot of stories in my head. Um, So that's, that's where I'm at now. So it's, it's still a journey really in, in quote unquote, figuring that that's I'm with you though. I don't know if you were on the call we did yesterday, but I talked a little bit about this experience I had recently, like kind of an expanded consciousness where for the first time I kind of saw how I might come across in that need for, I don't know, affirmation for being a quote unquote man, right? Like, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I have two sisters. We were raised very differently. My sisters were raised to be mothers and, and wives, right? My parents are born in the 40s and 50s. You know, this is your role. My role, and I was I remember being, I remember just the way like my sisters were were restricted. You know, like they go to a party, there was curfews. There was, I had no restrictions. I just I just went because I'm, I'm the boy. There's, you know, he's yeah. got to go out and be a man, right? Raise, raise the family, be the breadwinner, make the money, protect, all that stuff, right? Yeah. So when I don't get that, when I don't get, uh, um, what's the word? When I don't get acknowledgement of me being the man I've been conditioned to be, like I just, I just stepped into what I'm supposed to be, right? When I don't get yeah. acknowledgement of that, man, I come across like a dick. Yeah, I yeah. really do. Like to my wife, to my kids, to anybody around me. Like, like a recent example, we had a, we had a, a painter. We have, we're having our house painted, and the painter immediately went to the roof. Like, oh, we got your roof, right? And he starts jumping up on the roof and looking at stuff and. Um, he tells my wife, you know, yeah, hey, you're gonna need a roof, right? And it's whatever it was, like 18 grand. I'm like, what? Like, 
we don't have any leaks. It doesn't make any sense to me. So, you know, my wife is getting kind of concerned. Like we were just about to paint the house and now we got to add an $18,000 bill on top of that. Yeah. And um, I kind of like, you know, like wait, step in as man. Wait, well, let's calm things down here. Let me go out and talk to the guy. So I do. And we walk around, we look at it. And honestly, the guy was, the guy was, he was full of it, right? There was no need for a roof. Like he's convincing me yeah. the under, like the wood, you know, the the wood of the roof underneath the shingles, which have no damage. There's nothing visibly wrong with the shingle. Somehow the wood is rotting underneath. So he's trying to convince me of that. And what I, whatever I would call him on stuff, all of a sudden the price came down or something, right? It was a complete change. And actually this is a, a, a abundant shout out. You know what I did? I called Camille Morris. Oh, he owns a huge yeah. roofing company. Like, yeah. dude, take a look at this. He's like, you're getting taken. I'm like, great. Thank you. So I just, yeah. I just saved $18,000 for my family, right? I just yeah. came in the man. I did that. And when I came in to tell my wife and make sure she knew, Hey, look, I'm the man that I'm supposed to be. She yeah. was like, like, all right. She, you know, she didn't want to hear it. She didn't want to hear it from me. This, you know, and I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't realize in the moment how I'm coming across and why I was coming across that way, because it was like, no, no, no. I need acknowledgement for me stepping into this thing I was brought up to be. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't know. Go ahead. You're going to say something. Sorry. No, I mean, it just, yeah. When that happens, it just kind of cuts, it cuts the legs out from underneath of you. And, yeah. and, and it, it feels, it feels weird because you, you're, you're operating on this, on this system or on this structure that you think is real and that yeah. the way things are supposed to be. And when it doesn't, when it doesn't, when the world doesn't interact with you, the way you think it's supposed to interact with you, it can be, it can be a big shakeup. It yeah. was, it was for me. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And on the other point about money. So I had Preston smiles, you know, Preston on the podcast. Um, uh, last week I interviewed him. I don't know whenever this airs, it'll be probably after his airs or whatever, but, um, actually, yeah, he airs. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, something he said on there, I thought was interesting because you said about money flowing through and he said, yeah, well, think about water. If water doesn't have an inlet or an outlet, then it's just a swamp, right? Like, you know, water without an inlet or an outlet ends up being a swamp. It just sort of festers with whatever. And yeah. I've had this realization for me as an entrepreneur a year, a year now, right? As a full-time, not employed, not W-2, making money on my own sort of thing. That yeah. of my best days or when I'm in flow, when, when money just sorts, like shows up for some reason, is yeah. when I'm not thinking about what I can get in an interaction. It's just being in full service, right? Like whatever my gifts that I believe they are, just being in full service. I like somehow like people just email me from like years ago or months ago with like, Hey, um, by the way, I want to, in effect, I want to pay you for this thing that we talked about last year or whatever, you know, like it's just weird how that shows up. Yeah. So I, I I had this thought like, man, I've only had like maybe 60 of those days in the year. Like if I aggregate or like maybe six, maybe two months of a 12 month period that I've had no W2 job. Have I truly just been not thinking at all about what am I going to get from this interaction or this transaction or this piece of content or whatever it is? What am I going to get? But just truly like, I just want, I want, I want to give this. And when that happens, it's amazing what flows in. And so the focus now for me is like you said, like going for things to go through me more like that, that not be a swamp. And just increase the number of days. So if I go from 60 to 80 or 90 or 120 or 180 days, I two or three X my results. Because what's amazing about only 60 of those days yeah. is to our point earlier, I, I'm okay. I've sustained a life. I've traveled. I've done some fun stuff. We've financially yeah. been okay, right? Like by yeah. only really being in service to your point, money, like, you know, the idea of everything flowing through me um, for maybe, maybe it's less. I don't even know, but it's just not a lot. Most of the time, I'm worried about in some way, shape, or form, a little bit to a lot, 
Like, where am I going to, you know, like, is this, is this going to be worth my time financially to meet with this person, to have this lunch, to make this phone call, to do this thing, to get on this call, to do this podcast or whatever. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So where do you, where do you think the, I'm a systems guy. Where do you think the, um, the daily practice or habits are, or what do they look like to, to, to increase that number from 60 to whatever you want to increase it to? Is it a, is it a morning routine? Is it a posting your vision above your, of your computer or there. <laughs> what helps you, what helps you stay in that, that, that mindset more it's often? Fun. I'm exploring that now. This is like a two day ago revelation. Like, holy cow. Because I I just interviewed Preston. I just had this. He made that great point. I was like, I never thought of it that way. Like when I don't allow things to flow through, it just becomes stagnant and swampy. But when I do, like things just start happening, you know, like the universe delivers or whatever. It sounds so woo woo. The only thing I can think of, and it's like anything, I think think that uh, for me, and this is probably for most people, your authentic voice is in service, right? Like who you want to be is in service. I think like in some way, shape or form, like you want to help somebody, you want to give something. So when something, when something is authentically you, unless you're a sociopath, maybe you, <laughs> you want to, you want to help somebody, you want to be insert. Like, in other words, uh, if you, if you love baseball, then, you know, like your ability to be a great teammate or uh, t- have conversations or help somebody with their, with their form or whatever, like that's kind of part of that, right? Like that authentic part of you. And I believe that with conditioning, what happens is like whatever your authentic voice is, it pops up. It's like a like a like a firecracker, like it just kind of pops up. And when you're young, when you're a kid, it pops up and you you just go with it. It's just kind of a natural thing. But at five and six, you get sort of conditioned with lessons from parents, from friends, from teachers or whatever. And then more of those lessons and more of those lessons so that when that authentic voice pops up, as soon as it does, it's like. Like immediately after that, there's all these other voices that that are yeah. the illusion I call practicality, right? So I think mindfulness, meditation, journaling, that morning stuff. Uh, we do solo. My wife and I do like a solo weekend every quarter just to kind of get away and be quiet and all of that. Um, I think that's for me what I need to do more of. Like right now, this week, dude, like I, I'm I'm right back to overcommitted. You know, like I'm right back to overcommitting my time, and that's where things break down for me. Where when I schedule in space. And yes. give myself time to hear that first voice that pops up and be like, oh, oh, oh all the stuff is going to all that practical voice is going to jump on top of it right away. But at least I can hear it and be like, OK, whoa, whoa, whoa. all that noise when it clears. OK, w- what did you say again? Authentic voice. Like, what was that? Do that. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like that to yeah. me, mindfulness in some way, shape or form and hearing that first little pop up. Yeah, that's what I think. But again, I'm, I'm literally exploring this right now. I just know that those are my best days. Yeah. And you're right. You got, you have to be able to recognize that voice. And the only way you're going to be able to recognize that voice is if you, you spent time in stillness and you spent time away in space, listening for that voice. Right. So that, that also reminds me of as a parent, how do we, (laughs) how do we not add to that conditioning that you were talking about? You see, you see this and you probably see it in your, in your, in your little kids, but that true self is still, I mean, that, that firecracker that you're talking about, Yeah, that's, that's what's coming out. That's what's, but I know I, I contribute to tempering and yeah. conditioning and that's, that's scary. I, my, my job as a parent really is to accentuate and um, draw out their true self more than condition it, but that's hard. 
I agree. I, the, the, and I don't think there's a way to avoid trauma. I just don't think there is. Like you can overcoddle, you can undercoddle, you can, you know, like there's just no way. Like my mother has said things to me and I can think of when I'm five and six of the most innocent things. I, I say it to my kids, but they're trauma for me, right? I can root back my need to people please to something my mother told me very innocently at six years old, right? Like very, oh, don't, 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 don't say that, right? Like that was the first indication, like, oh, don't, don't tell people, don't be authentic with people. Don't be like, it's more important that they feel good than I feel authentic. Like that's, that's what I learned. Right. But, you know, again, nothing, nothing bit. I know I've done that with my kids. I've said something, done something. And the, the only thing that I have hope, well, that's one is giving myself grace that I just, you know, I, well, there's therapy right there. I just dropped therapy on my kid for the next 10 years. But, but, um, but honestly, uh, what I love about the education that we've chosen for our kids with, uh, with Acton Academy, not that it has to be that, but just more of an alternative education source where, you know, look, they, they just hired a new teacher. They call him a guide at their school, but they, all the kids interviewed him, right? Like they have decision-making authority. Um, my kid yesterday told us, Hey, we're, we're way off of our, of our, um, uh, our rules, our guardrails, we call them. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you, you've been yelling. I'm like, ah, this is one of our rules not to yell. So tonight we're having a town hall because we've also told him like, Hey, one of them is blaming and criticizing. And he's been doing a little bit of that lately. So we're all off of it. Right. So let's get together and figure out how do we get back on it? So the only way I can think for me, at least is by, by, um, acknowledging when I screw up to them, my dad would never do that. Like there was no, Yeah, like there was no like, uh, you know, hey, uh, that was on me. Uh, I overreacted there. Like, no, no, there was none of that. So I try to do that with my kids as much as it hurts. Um, But having them in an environment where accountability is a piece of it, and then he comes home and holds me accountable and then allowing that. I don't know if it's the best thing, but it's the best thing I know how to do. Yeah, that's a good point about trauma being unavoidable as a parent. There's another podcast called Dad Work that I listen to uh, pretty frequently, and he, he just talked about that. How you, as a parent, as a dad, you you're not setting out to not cause trauma is is a is a futile endeavor. But yeah. what you can do is assuming that there's going to be trauma caused by you or or otherwise, is give them the tools to deal with it and exemplify the tools to deal with it. That's the greatest gift you can give them. I think that's the difference between our generations too. Meaning you you and I grew up in an era where like mental health was sort of like, well, I can't see it. So it's just in your head, get over it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whereas mental, emotional, whatever. Whereas now, I mean, I, you know, I, I've been convinced, you know, that it's equal to, if not greater than physical health, right? And and I think to that point, uh, dad work, I like that. I'll have to listen to that. Um, yeah. But just acknowledging for your kids and saying to them, like, no, that it is important that, you know, that your emotional health and your mental health. Like we do give our, we do give our older one. He'll say, he's like, I, I need space. I need space right now. I just need, I just need time, dad. Like, uh, okay. Okay. Even though I'm like, I want to kill you right now for whatever you did. He says yeah. that. And I have to, I have to honor that because I am, I'm, I know I've created trauma in my kids, but right. you know, I yeah. just don't know. That's the only way I know how, but that's a good point. Like just giving them the tools and acknowledging for them that, Hey, you know, yeah, I do some stupid things sometimes guys like, you know, here's some things that you can do to, to overcome that. So, yeah. Yep. yep absolutely. And then and exemplifying how to deal with your own stuff. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh. Well, hopefully this expanded consciousness I went through recently, this, uh, the psilocybin thing, uh, helps me with that. Cause it was, it was trippy. It was amazing. It was, I never done anything like that before. And to get into a place where you really start to see who you are and the elements of you that you've denied that come rushing to the surface when you get into an altered state. Yeah. Uh, 
it's pretty pretty amazing so yeah, I bet yeah. it was. That's yeah. that's very interesting. I talked about that on the we did this grub with Gruber and Ascend. I did it yesterday. Yeah. I talked through that with everybody. And I, I wasn't sure if people are gonna be like, what's up with this dude? Like he's talking about mushrooms and stuff. But everybody's leaning yeah. in, man. They're like, no, 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 keep going. I want to hear more about this, this concept yeah. of psychedelics. So it was well, yeah, uh, it was I, I caught a lot of that and the the conversation that you were having around ego was yeah. interesting to me. And I yeah, the the idea that your your ego would both inhibit you at times, but then also contribute to your brilliance, which is, I think, is what you were getting at, right? That's a way more succinct way of saying what I was saying yesterday, but that's exactly right, right? Yeah. It's like embracing that you have one. Like, we all keep it over there, right? It's like that uh, the ego's bad, but it was it's embracing that you actually have an ego, that you it's part of you. You, you have one, I have one, whatever. And yeah, I mean, if you allow it to get out of control, then that could be hurtful, but... I think the greats, I think the people that that have significant results, they embrace that they have it. They're unapologetic about the fact that they have an ego and they're willing to allow that ego sometimes to maybe do something that is out of line. They ride that close to it. They embrace it that much. They make it part of them. Whereas I keep it like, you know, a mile away. And when you do, I learned this. When you do and you go into a state of consciousness that might be different or altered, this is what psychedelics, I guess, are all about. That that's the first thing that flashed up. Like, hey, brother, I'm here, and you haven't been acknowledging me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take this time. You're gonna make sure I'm gonna make sure you know I'm here for the next five hours while you're in this while you're in this uh, room with a therapist in a in a in a different state. I'm actually bringing her on. I'm gonna have my therapist on and do a do an episode and just go oh, deep on this sweet. whole thing. Oh, yeah, I want to. I think it's like that same thing. Like giving. Like I, I have this this thing. Like man, I went through this experience and I just want to share it. I just want yeah. to share it. That's why I did it on the on the thing yesterday, and I want to go through it with uh, with this audience. So yeah, prepare to get trippy, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, what else did I miss on? Let's go to your your business with Josh. How did you find Josh? How did that partnership start out? We started a newbie real estate investor meetup here in Columbus, and I'll tell you what: you don't find Josh. Josh finds you. That is that is his that is his superpower. He is uh, deliberately, he's naturally well-connected, but he's also deliberately well-connected. And when you put those two together, uh, it's pretty powerful. So yeah. I had this idea to start this meetup. He found me, reached out to me and was like, hey, I had this idea too. Why don't we collaborate? And I was like, cool, that means less work for me. So we, st we started that um, in 2019 or so. We did that for about a year. And then I was like, hey, you want to just start this home investor franchise and he was like yep let's do it and wow and here wow, you are this is our third year yeah what's the business look like today what, what what kind of volume do you do i don't know i don't know enough about that business to ask the right question but just give me kind of an overview of what it looks like for your particular franchise yeah so um we our first year we started we did a handful of deals did uh, i think we did maybe 12 deals or something that year we doubled it last year are you wholesaling these just so i know or are you flipping them what do you what do you yeah. Primarily flip to sell or flip to hold. Got it. We got okay. into business to flip to hold, but as you know, you also need money to keep the keep the engine turning. So we do flip to sell occasionally. We're hoping to increase by at least 50% again this year. It's so I'm sorry. Yeah, you had 12, 12 deals that first year, is what you did? Yeah, basically 12, 24. And then this year we're looking to be in at least in the mid-30s. Wow. Um, Okay. Uh, yeah, we're trying to find that sweet spot. We don't want to dedicate our whole entire lives to this. We're trying to find that sweet spot of um, where it's a good balance between 
working working the business and doing the stuff that we like to do, which is go on vacation for a week or two weeks at a time, take Mondays off, take, you know, and like not, yeah. we're not trying to create a, a full-fledged nine to five for ourselves. Um, but probably the most exciting part of it is we started just me and Josh. We now have a team of, I think we're up to six people now. Um, and that that's, for me, that's the most fulfilling part is to be able to lead a team, to be able to, um, in part and in um, uh, contribute to their lives, both financially and uh, otherwise. So that that that's that's been really rewarding to be able to build that team over the last couple of years. What's that team look like? Six people? Like, is it including you and Josh plus four, or is it six people plus you and Josh? And what do they do? Are they virtual assistants? Are they local? Are they, uh, you know, how do they get compensated? Just give me kind of an overview of what that looks like. Yeah, so we run the EOS model. If if you're familiar with it, so um, I'm the integrator. Josh is the acquisitions manager. He's he's over sales and sales and marketing. And then in that department, we have a buyer or or an acquisitions specialist, somebody who answers the phone when when sellers call, and then they'll go. She goes and meets with sellers and negotiates contracts. And in that department, we also have a a new position somebody who is just in charge of referrals, somebody who is a, is a real estate agent, very well connected to the community already. And her primary function in life is just to reach out to other real estate agents, uh, probate attorneys, insurance agents, make connections with them and just say, hey, here, here's what we do. I understand that this is, a, this is a problem you might have in your business at certain times. When that arises, just remember me. Because we can solve that problem for you, so that there's two people in there. Then we have a um, in the finance and admin section, and in the operations section, we have um, Marisha, who is super detail oriented. She's everything that we are not, and she she heads both of those uh, divisions for us. And then um, there's she has an admin under there too. So that's one, two, three, four, four additional teammates besides besides Josh and I. What's the you be like 12, 24, 30? How many do you hold? How many do you have in your portfolio right now that you've held versus you flip? We in the business itself, in the last two years, we've only held two. Um we've we have other stuff outside of that. Um our our goal is to hold around 50% of what we of what we of what we get, but um of the contracts that we get. Yeah. But again, we're we're you know, we're still trying to figure out that flow of cash flow and keeping the, the marketing engine flowing while also holding everything you hold is profit that you forego. Um, so we're, we're still trying to figure that out. Makes sense. The uh, This is all Columbus area or kind of Southern Southern Ohio. Is that where you are? Um, 100% Columbus, which is Central Ohio. And what do you do? Oh, I guess so. And what do you do? Is it is it like, you know, these three bed, one bath, sort of Sears Roebuck type of homes. Like what do you, what do you buy? Like what, what's the, what are you marketing to? What do you end up acquiring these high end? Are they more like $80,000 homes? Like what are they? No, it's, it's definitely not high end, um, but it does run the gamut of homes built in 19, 1900 to homes built in probably, you know, mid 1970s, 1980. Mm -hmm. We don't see a lot of 1990s and later homes, but yeah, your typical two to four bedroom, one to two and a half bath. There's a lot of old inventory in Columbus. So we run into that a lot. Mm. And those, those scare us. Those, those <laughs> projects when they're, 
1900 house, but um, yeah, I mean, it runs the gamut. I mean, there's all kinds of different inventory here. Why do you have the Homevestors franchise? Why why go that route versus going like what's the value of buying a franchise? I and mean, part of it to me is like somebody will, so you got it and it's well known. <laughs> but I mean, like, what what's yeah. the what why why buy a franchise? Would you still do that or would you do it on your own knowing what you know now? I'm just kind of curious that that path. Yeah, I like to explain it to people as it's real estate investing in a box almost. Mm. They when I set out to to do more real estate investing, I didn't want to spend the time or energy or effort to figure out marketing to to homeowners. And homeinvestors figures that out for you. There's a they have a whole department of tens of people who are up to date on the most effective marketing tactics in any given market. So that was solved. There they have in house lending. They have a support system. There's there's 12 other franchisees just in Columbus besides us. We meet once a month. We're on a, a group me um, thread together. It, we're a team. So there's a lot of support there. There's They give you tools. They give you a CRM. They give you a rehab estimation tool. Um, there's They have conferences. Of course, you get the brand. Sure. Uh, so there's some credibility there. So there is a lot of support and pieces there that you would otherwise have to do yourself or not have. Do you have an, is there a month or an annual franchise fee or is it a one-time upfront purchase that you do? Or do you, do you like uh, take a loan, like, you know, a small business loan to like buy the franchise and like, how does that work? There's an initial fee for the franchise, like any other franchise yep. and home versus home is nice because you can pay half that and then essentially finance that the rest of it on your sales. So oh, if you, okay. I think I think a franchise now costs maybe eighty grand. Um, you can pay you can pay forty now, and then fr- and then finance the remainder on your sales. So you you sell a property, and X percent of the proceeds of that property go to pay off the the other forty grand. Gotcha. And yeah. then do you pay do you pay annually, or is it just that one time upfront? Do you have like a, a franchise fee each year, or no? You continue to pay on the sales. So and as you get as you progress that percentage gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So anytime you sell something, there's a small percentage that goes to homebusters. How but much mark? Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say after that initial franchise fee, there is no, there's no lump sum franchise fees. Or gotcha. 5,000 a year or something like that. They just go, okay, gotcha. What is the, um, when you get, you buy 30 houses in a year, what kind of marketing, what volume of marketing and type of marketing do you do? Is it text, yellow letter? Like, what does that look like? It is primarily, well, right now it is direct mail. I mean, that's that's the bulk of it. We don't text and we don't cold call. And then on top of the direct mail, we have a lot of billboards, especially in Columbus, Ohio. If you're in that market, you've probably seen, seen our billboards. Sure. Uh, we're, we're on TV. We do a lot of uh, Facebook and um, internet marketing. So that's those are the primary the primary buckets. How many impressions is that? Not counting the billboards, but like Facebook posts or ads, uh, even letters. How many letters do you mail a month? As an ad council, like all all 13 of us, I think we're sending 100,000 mailers a month or something like that. And then, you know, we 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 get a portion of, of those based on the amount that we're investing in marketing compared to the entire pot. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, I think we're sending close to a hundred thousand mailers a month. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot. 
Fascinating discussion. And I want to, I want to honor your time and also the time of the listeners. I think people are used to about an hour. So, and we went deep on some stuff that, you know, it, sure. it was, it was great to get into, but let's, let's wrap up on the, uh, the GoBundance card game. And honestly, man, this was great. I'm kind of buzzing from this interview. There's a lot of, I, I love the middle of this interview. It was a lot of fun. Here's the question. And this is, uh, you're an athlete. So what is your greatest feat of physical endurance? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Stephen Began, who is uh, part of the Emerge and Ascend program, somebody I met early 2021 and who I talk to probably every single day now. He convinced me to go do a Spartan Beast. Have you heard of these? I've heard of them. I don't know what it is, though freaking it's for maniacs so a the spartan beast is a quote-unquote half marathon with i forget how many obstacles maybe 30 obstacles and um so i went and i did it with him because he convinced me to and i'm you know i'm a, I'm a man so i don't back down <laughs> for the challenge <laughs> well it's on paper it's supposed to be 13 miles what they don't tell you is that that's a rough estimate that you're going to cross the 13 mile uh poster on the side of the trail and then you're just going to keep running for an unforeseen amount of time this this race wound up being 15 miles or so and i'm not kidding eight, 80 percent of it was in knee deep mud or water and sometimes sometimes shoulder deep mud and then you're doing obstacles like monkey bars or climbing over walls or rope rope climbs or carrying these 50 pound sandbags up a mountain down a mountain and if you don't if you do not complete an obstacle there's and i think there's at least 30 chances to not complete an obstacle you do 30 burpees it's it's it was awful but i did it did it <laughs> i did it i'll never do another one but i did it yeah. look at that Wow, man, this, uh, I love, I love the story. I love getting to know you even more. I've, you know, gotten to know you through Emerge Ascend. And it's just cool. You're one of those folks that have gone, uh, here, here's a little marketing. You're one of 25 guys that have got guys and gals that have gone from Emerge and Ascend up into GoBundance. And, um, uh, it's been really fun watching the ride, watching, watching you and what you've been doing and just seeing, I mean, we've had conversations about fatherhood before I was on that fan abundance call. We chatted a bit through text and everything. So it's yeah. just neat to see people grow like you grow. It's, uh, it's fun to watch and it's fun to, to try to keep up. I got to do this Spartan beast thing, I guess. No, don't do it. No, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. No, I would, I would say, I would say, um, thank you to you because I mean, my growth since, since I started Emerge is has been like no period of growth in my entire life. But, you know, some of this is just because you're the face of Emerge, but you're, you have been a catalyst in that growth. And I, I really appreciate the way that you, you show up, you're authentic, you're open, the, the ideas and thoughts that you do have, they do flow through you and they're well received by the people in that community, especially by me. So Thank you. Thank you for, for all your, you've done. Thank you for everything you're currently doing. And thanks for having me on, on the podcast. Uh, I, man, that means a lot. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. I don't know. I, I'm still working on, on accepting uh, 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 feedback like that, but thank you. I mean, that means a lot. Where can people learn more about you, your business, follow you, whatever you want to, whatever you want to leave with people, uh, uh, email address if you want, or a, a social media handle or a, a website for your business, whatever it might be. Yep. You can look me up on Facebook, Harvey Jurgen. Um, my dad's name is also Harvey Jurgen, so I'll be the younger version of that. With IV, my- the IV, the fourth. Yeah, I'm the fourth. <laughs> uh, or you hit me up on email, harvey.jurgen at gmail.com. 
Uh, I mean, you can even text me or call me. If you want to text me or call me, my number is 901-484-9751. I'm happy to talk about any of the stuff we talked about today or real estate or life or sports or whatever. Love it, man. Thanks again for all uh, all you poured into today, man. This was fun. I appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, brother. Well, that's it for this episode, but be sure you subscribe for future episodes. Give us a rating and review as well. It just helps us grow the podcast, grow the reach, and give as much value as we can to you on a week-to-week basis. Be sure to go over and check out GoBundance.com while you're at it. Check out Emerge if you're a future millionaire, our elite division if you're in that $1 to $5 million range, or our champion division at $5 million plus. Or on the women's side, GoBundance Women is available for all of you to join an amazing group of millionaire entrepreneurial women. And if you haven't already, jump on tribeofmillionaires.com and order the book that is the namesake of this podcast. And you'll learn all about what this whole GoBundance thing is, what masterminds are about, and the power of community, accountability, connection, and all of that as you pursue your goals. Thanks for listening again. We'll talk to you soon.